This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, and you're smiling so much there, <laughs> looking at the screen. Hello and welcome to the Gooder Talk, back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Raw Reaction Series, joining you the evening after Arsenal have beaten Manchester United 3-2 uh, in a clash against who were said to be Arsenal's potential title challengers for this season, now sitting 11 points behind Arsenal and very much licking their wounds in a top four race Certainly not a title race uh, to talk about that and more. I'm going to be joined by four fantastic guests for you this evening. Uh, good evening to everybody joining us, of course, in the chat box. Uh, your defence is in trouble. If you've not yet seen or heard the Eddie Nketiah chant, make sure that you familiarise yourself with it because it is an absolute banger. Um, of course, good evening, good morning, good afternoon. If you happen to be in the world, to all of our listeners joining us around the globe today, drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Let's introduce our guest this evening. First of all, joining me, it's Guy. How are you doing, Guy? Are you good, Joel? Yeah, good evening. Absolutely fantastic off the back of that. Um, yeah, having grown up in an era where Arsenal and Manchester United were always battling it out at the top, as you say, to put them in their place, resign them to a top four battle and keep marching on. Absolutely incredible. Oh, unbelievable scenes, really. Um, could not have... I mean, if you're going to win a game... And there are ways to win games. And I trust me, I love a 5-0. I really enjoyed the Nottingham Forest battering earlier on in the season. But you can't quite beat an emotional roller coaster that ends with a greater climax than you've had on your wedding night. Let's bring our next <laughs> guest into the... I don't know why I even said that. I was dead on my wedding night. Nothing was happening. I was going straight to bed. Let's bring in John, who is definitely embarrassed by that comment. <laughs> well, it wasn't an introduction. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, wow. That was... that was Man, that was so good. That was so good. And, you know... And what, the I, game or right. my introduction we, for you? <laughs> A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, but that, you know, that was like, that reminded me of like old school clash between Man United and Arsenal. And, you know, there's always like the last decade, I feel like it's been one has been a little better than another. And we just kind of catch each other when we're not good. You know, when we're at the top of our game like that, both of us, it, it, it was special and we won, which is the best part about it, obviously. But, um, you know, Eddie and Kedia, man, holy crap! We're gonna talk about yeah, it. Obviously, we'll talk about him that. And in Zinchenko, I'm wearing the Zinchenko jersey right now. Zinchenko was unbelievable. Silly. It was it, he was unplayable today. He was unplayable. So fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, indeed. Uh, let's bring in our third, a full guest this evening. It's Albert. How you doing, Albert? You good, Joel? Not bad, Tom. When you send the invite, I don't want you to repeat what I said to you, but I'm I'm here for that very reason. <laughs> Hold on, I'm, I'm trying to familiarise myself with what you. Uh... It was too oh. short. It was two short words. Yeah. Oh yes, F yes is what he said. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, you know, the way I introduced John into the show, I think monetization may have already gone out the window. Um, but let's uh, let's bring in our fourth uh, guest of the evening. It's Raf. How you doing, Raf? You good, Joel? In Katia in the room. 
The defense is in trouble in Katia. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Um, Don't joke enjoy. about that. It's an awesome job. <laughs> I'm buzzing. I'm, oh, it's, yeah, amazing. I can't even. I, I'm, I'm from, I've probably grown up in an era when United's the big game. I know, obviously, we have our rivalry with Tottenham, but to me, United's the game you want to win the most. And, yeah, it was buzzing. Buzzing. Mm-hmm. Completely buzzing. It was. Uh, and we're going to talk about all of the reasons as to why we're buzzing and more uh, very shortly. Let's introduce, first of all, our three brand new members of the channel. Philip uh, Johansson, Brendan Stott uh, and all our Arsenal as well. Thank you so much for becoming part of the TGT family. I can already see people in the chat box welcoming you all uh, to what is a wonderful occasion. Guy, we're going to start with you. Give us your raw reactions, fella. Incredible. So happy for Eddie as well, being the man who's, who's stepped up. Uh, I think it's in a stat, only the second player for Arsenal to, to score a 90th minute winner at the Emirates against Manchester United, following Thierry Henry in January 2007, the first year at the Emirates. That was a brilliant goal, uh, brilliant sort of uh, emotion off the back of it. And Eddie as well. I mean, as I say, what a guy. And and also his reaction to Bakayo's goal as well. Just sort of how he just turned around and looked around. Whoa, what's that? Um, yeah, raw reaction. It's just incredible. Man United, the team that you always want to see Arsenal put to the sword. And after, after going behind as we did, the reaction, incredible. And put them firmly in their place. Absolutely. Uh, got a brand new member as well, Michaela Sevilla, uh, joining us in the chat as well. Four new members already, five minutes into the show. We've got a greater XM expected members than Man United adding <laughs> goals today. Um, John, what are your raw reactions to the game, mate? I mean, what? We had 63 touches in their box. We absolutely were swarming them. And they had like 30-something clearances. I mean, they were just all, they were nonstop trying to defend. You know, um, they they their shots, credit to them, were they they took the ones that they did take. So uh, they took the ones that they took. But what I'm saying is, is that they had, I think, four shots on goal. We had two our five, but we had so many more. We just kept, we kept coming and coming and coming. And it's one of those where, you, you know, Rashford's goal went in and you're going, oh no. Like everyone, every, <laughs> everyone in the pub just kind of like hushed and you, and you start all these permutations start going, but then we, we, no one looked like they were ready to give up. Everyone just picked their head up and just kept going and going and going. And then, I mean, like <laughs> that, I just, Bukayo Saka's goal, it, that was maybe one of the best goals that I've seen in a, in a derby between uh, United and, and Arsenal since maybe Thierry Henry's uh, that mm. turn and kick. I mean, that, I, I mean, special I, goals, it, but yeah, that was it, that, that for me, for me, at least that was that there was that like one where we blitzed them like three goals, like right in the first half and the Emirates mm-hmm. where Alexis like, Sanchez. Like, yeah. That was Sanchez's a very, very goal. nice goal. That, that was fantastic. But look, um, I'm a little concerned with some of the performances, um, which I guess we can talk <laughs> about like Ben White. I think, I don't know what was going on with him today. Yeah. Um, I don't know if yeah. he wasn't feeling up for it, but there were so many positives and like fight in the team that you can kind of put that almost to the back burner because that's going to happen every once in a while. And it was a game where I don't think we were playing as crisp as we normally have it seen or from Arsenal this season. And partially is because Man United is a good side. Um, but what we were able to do was figure out a way to win. And, you know, in, in moments where you're going to go down, to come back and then go down again and then come back, at, you know, in the 89th minute, you're seeing Tomiyasu press the keeper, at, you know, in the 80 something minute and you're, and you're going, you know, this team is not going to give up. And that's what we've kind of been praising this team for. So my raw reaction is that we don't give up. And that's all that I've wanted to see from an Arsenal side just to put in a hundred percent. And that's what we're doing. So absolutely. I'll tell you what, the amount of wedding night innuendos in that raw reaction, I was getting in my mind. It was incredible. For those that are now going to rewind and listen to that back, listen for them. I counted at least four. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Albert, give us your raw reactions, my friend. Well, Tom, where do I start, Tom? Um, listen, this team, right? We've had exam after exam. We've had SATs, GCSEs, bachelor's degree. There's been every kind of possible test. <laughs> Tests going. Um, Tom, we've gone behind, we've gone ahead, we've been pegged back. It is this is I, I say I've said it so many times, Tom. Is this is a this is a different Arsenal, man. Um, it's crazy. Like I, I wasn't fearing the worst we went behind. Look, you the, the t- when when we're at home at the Emirates, the, the, the crowd, 
get the players up and the players look at each other with a confidence and say, you know what, we've taken a setback, what we go again. Um, we got the goal back quickly. I think it's about seven or eight minutes, Tom, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, we were patient and... Um, I just I'm impressed the way we're starting games, Tom. Um, we we really 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 were sharp when we started that game, um, and even in we go into like later in during the match, we 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 came back into we and we get quick goals and we put on the front foot at points. We were seventy five percent possession and peppering Manchester United, and um, it would have been unjust if we hadn't won that game today. If I'm being honest with you. It would have been unjust, uh, I think. We deserved the points that we that we won today. Man United came with a plan. I'm sure we'll talk about that shortly. Uh, and Eric Ten Hag said before the game that they've worked out a way to beat us. I think that way is when VAR gift you a goal at the start of a game. That, that, that must be the way to beat Arsenal this season because that's what they got at Old Trafford. They didn't get it today. Raf, lastly, give us your, your raw reactions to today's win. Oof, um, obviously... Only if you want, mate. Right? I mean, you don't have to. Yeah. It seemed a bit of a chore. <laughs> no, do, do you know what it is? Like, obviously, you probably know after the game, you, just, you know when you just feel that a little bit drained, like, because the emotion mm. of the game is just so... But um, I think for me, I think uh, I think control uh, and moments were kind of the key thing for me today. I felt like we controlled the midfield particularly, but I think we controlled the game in, in a way that Arsenal-Man United games, typically we haven't been able to. Even though it was a good game, there was end-to-end moments of the game, I felt like our general control of the game is what I think I've looked at as the most impressive from the team, from this game, the Tottenham game, the Chelsea game in particular. I think just the control was amazing. You know, Zinchenko, I know, I know we'll get on to players individually, but I think Zinchenko, Erdegaard, Partey and Xhaka, that axis, and then you add the defence, Saliba and Gabriel. It's just the control was was immense. And then it's moments. I think the key moments in the game, we were able to capitalise on times that we were that we were ahead and, and the times we were dominant. And also we bounced back from moments where we had individual errors that kind of cost us goals. And also they had their elements of, of little bits of, of good play. But I think moments and, and 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 that control is what I took from the game the most. And just even just emotional maturity, like you look at from the beginning of the season when we played them and you look at now and you look at how we were able to handle emotionally the game and how we were able to kind of take the game away from them, but still maintain our composure in key times. Mm. I just think you can just see the progression in the team. And it was just, yeah, it's just an excellent performance, to be honest yeah, it's impossible to ignore. Like you, you go back a year ago, um, and I know that we won this game last season. But I felt like we won that game. We obviously won it by a better scoreline. But even then, I felt like today's performance was was better than the way that we performed in that three one win. So much more dominant, as you say, controls the words. And obviously, Man United are much better than they were back then. I think as well, and that definitely fed into today's game too. But yeah, it was just such a control is a great word to use to describe this game because despite the fact that yes, we conceded twice, I think those two goals come from two very low possible chances. You got a, a long range strike from from Rashford and another one which is kind of an, a, a silly one from a corner that Ramsdale could arguably do better, but I think actually he's kind of impeded a bit by Tommy Asu in the moment as well. Yeah. And there's question marks there, but the way in which we have this never say die attitude about us and that there's just this constant will and belief that we are going to win the game. And if we continue to play the way that we know to play, the chance will come and we can make uh, people like Mark Goldridge look very, very silly. I recommend you watching the highlights if you haven't done so already. Um, FTL Gunnar Craig, thank you for the donation, my friends. TC, wow, still haven't come down from that epic win. Fan Fest was incredible. Come on, you Gunnar, sent you a pic on Twitter. Yes, there was a Fan Fest, I want to say in Orlando, I think today. Um, I've seen lots of uh, pictures uh, that people have sent from that. I, I can't imagine what that must have been like when that goal went in uh, in the 90 or whatever minute it was. But uh, amazing scenes. I've seen pictures being sent to me on socials. If you do have some, please send them in. I, I'm curious and genuinely interested about maybe writing about that. Um, Sam, thank you so much again for the super chat as well. Super chat for a super chap and a super chat as in the live chat as well, for sure. Thank you so much for the kind words, Sam. Much appreciated. Let's go into some of the finer details. Um, Guy, I'm going to let you run the, the rule on Eddie and Ketia because... 
I remember when we've sat on the Arsenal way and we've, you know, I remember last year, um, yeah, last year, because it's, it's January now, um, but last year in terms of last season, at the end of last season where Eddie came into the team, you know, we had our doubts and he kind of proved us wrong in those doubts at the end of last season. And once again, this time around as well, we're in a situation where Jesus goes out and we have doubts again and we're like, can we replace what Jesus brought to the team? And he just answers the questions every time. And yet we're sitting there going, why did we have those doubts? But then obviously this is two separate incidences that we've been in a situation with this. And now we've seen him respond at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, completely. And I, I don't want to sort of just start patting myself on the back, but a lot of people were very much, and like you said, we spoke about it on the Arsenal way at the time, scratching their heads as to, to why we would even be looking to renew Eddie's contract, why we needed yeah. him if it was time to move on. For me... I like him. I've always liked him. And I think it's it, it, at the end of the day, if you're going to try and compete, whether it's for, for titles, even as you see how competitive now, even to secure a top four finish consistently is, or even trophies, you need players who can come in and play parts within a season and players who ultimately know where the back of the net is. And that is what Eddie is. I mean, he's he's grasped this position and sort of his role within the squad that Mikel Arteta wants him to have, which is being patient and when he's there to be called upon, be the man for the moment. Um, you, you have teams who are moments teams who appear for the moment. He is a moment man. He just waits for the opportunity to come round and he does it. Now, his all-round game has improved immeasurably um, from last year. But ever since he sort of came into the side at Stamford Bridge last season, got his two goals there, you look at him and you go, actually, for as much as perhaps what's been levelled at Arsenal for a decade and more, I mean, go back 15 years, 2008, probably the last time we were realistically really trying to punch for a title. We didn't have the minerals in the end. The, obviously, what happened to Eduardo happened and the, 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 the club sort of seemed to crumble and, and fall therefore mentally and didn't have that fortitude. Eddie doesn't care about the noise that's coming from outside, whether he's good enough, whether, oh, Jesus is going to get injured and Arsenal's title bid's going to fall away. Put him on the pitch, wait for the chances to come. He might miss one. He missed one at Spurs last week, but he's mm. there to miss them. And then when the next ones come along, more often than not, if you give him if you give him three chances in a game, he'll score two. And that's what he did today. Great save from David De Gea prevented him from getting that other one. But mm. he was there. He was there at the moment. And, and that's what his game's about. It is, absolutely. And he is that fox in the box, as we describe. And I think I wrote in my winners and losers piece that will go out in the morning. Like, if there's one area that you can trust a player to, to perform in, it's that little six-yard box and it's Eddie Nketiah because he pops up there, knows where the ball's going to fall and he's so good at reading situations and trying to anticipate where the ball might fall. He's just had it throughout his career. I mean, when he first burst onto the scene with a couple of goals against Norwich, you know, ironically kind of similar, in fact, to his header today, he just knows where the ball might fall. And he has that instinct, that footballing brain. And, and that really has kind of carried him through. And now he's getting the ability to match it at the same time. But outside of that, he also presses and harries. And he's got the energy. And, the you know, he's really bought into what Arteta wants from a number nine. And I don't think we've necessarily missed Gabriel Jesus exactly because of that, not just because of his goals. Uh, Ethan says uh, Gary Neville still thinks we'll finish third post United game never had a better high than injecting his tears into my veins says Ethan um, does he still think they'll finish because if he said that I mean that's ludicrous that is absolutely ludicrous if that's the case John um, I, I can't really give you anyone else but Alexander Zinchenko um, to talk about and I want to give you the opportunity to talk about him uh, so Here's the floor, mate. Off you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, putting my like Ukrainian connection aside and the bias aside, like <laughs> what what a player that guy is. And I mean, it's it's just it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what he can bring to the side, not just from like a tactical perspective. Which, by the way, if you've seen his seat, his heat map. He was all over the place. When you're looking at that mm. heat map and you're going, if you told me that's a left back, and you're going, that's not, that's not left back, man. That guy was in the popping up in the box. He was in the midfield. He was mostly in that left front, like midfield position, kind of where like Jaco was um, operating a lot throughout the season. But mm. it's not just for people that didn't watch the Arsenal way. I'll show you his heat map right now. This is it. Okay. This was his heat map. <laughs> that's yeah, it no, for, for real though for, for real he really is he really is all over the place and and it's not just it's not just like a tactical advantage that he gives because um obviously that's there and you can see it especially for for the third goal I mean 
he, he's like weaving and everything. He's just unbelievable. But like the passion that the guy has. And he was talking after the match and he mentioned like, hey, you know, I said, for, don't look at top three. Look at, which is interesting um, saying we're going to make possibly look at the title, right? That's what he was saying. Don't mm. look at top three. Everyone was laughing and now they're not laughing, which is interesting because most of the narrative we've seen around whenever the players are asked questions about, are you guys title contenders have kind of been that, you know, recycled, uh, we're taking a game at a time, practice at a time, which is the right way to look at it. But we kind of got this sense from Zinchenko that um, actually, you know, they're kind of looking beyond that. They, they're starting to see now that this is a side that can potentially go and push for, for a legitimate title uh, cha- uh, challenge. And, you know, if anyone knows about that, it's it's Zinchenko, right? Um, and, and I think he brings a kind of, uh, like, legitimacy and, to... to uh, talks in the dressing room about what can you expect? What does a title winning dressing room look like? And the fact that he's so confident about it and the fact that he's there with Gabriel Jesus to is, I think, instrumental in what we're seeing right now. And we, and we know it, we saw the uh, all or nothing from Manchester city's uh, oh. time that they had it when Zinchenko was giving these like team talks. And we saw him at full time where I thought his head was going to explode because he was screaming so much. <laughs> you know, when, when you're looking at this team as someone, as players who are now not just playing well from a from a technical perspective, but showing this passion and fight and drive and belief in themselves, you got to look at players like Zinchenko and think that the genesis of a lot of that is coming from him and are obviously the manager and the staff and everyone else. But to have someone like that on the side is instrumental, I think. You can't – I don't think you can win a title without players like that. And he was brought in for a reason. And I have friends who are City fans, and they are more concerned about losing him than any player that I've seen. And that's very telling, yeah. considering he wasn't like a starter for, for City. But they knew enough about what kind of a character he was that it, it shows that they miss him. And you could see why – game after game this season with it yeah absolutely um i, I always appreciate honesty from rivals especially I, I actually don't know if people have been able to watch eric ten hag's post-match interview but it was also very honest um you know i pep guardioli i don't get the same thing from and that's probably because we're in that title race with him but he was actually asked i think after the game against i think it was after the united game if he regrets letting Zinchenko and Jesus go and he was just like no like no if like if you knew the situation like it's not something I can regret they're two great lads or whatever but no and I, I, I think the honest answer would have been to say that something along the lines of you know if they are in the, the Man City team this season we would have really benefited from them rather than just being like no we don't we don't miss them I think that the more accurate representation would be to say yeah and and you know what even if it's not even if it's not this powerful presence in the dressing room which he clearly is from a technical player perspective, he's an absolutely fantastic player. And, you know, obviously Jesus is as well, but Zinchenko, like, you know, I mean, I don't think we've really had a kind of player like that. We've had technical players, and I'm not saying he's the most technical player we ever had, but, Mm -hmm. you you know, what he can provide from the position that he's employed in, from that left-back position, we've never had anything like that. We've never, we've also never been playing the way that we are now, to be fair, with Mm -hmm. these kind of fluid positions. But, to have someone that can so easily fit exactly what the manager is trying to do in a way that doesn't that doesn't actually detriment any of the other positions on the pitch is is fantastic. And he's he's been my favorite player this season. Again, also very biased, but <laughs> but uh, for context, whatever, John's care. wife is Ukrainian. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, don't don't care, don't care. Love the guy. So happy he's here. That was the point I was going to make, though. Is he offers something completely different to what we've seen at left back? I mean, it now it now reasons why Cedric played at left back against Villarreal. That was what he wanted him to be able to yeah. do. Unfortunately, he's not very good at all. As good at football, he's far better than I am. But he wasn't <laughs> able up to that technical level to do it. Yeah. Whenever I see Zinchenko and the ball goes into him about controlling everything, I always think about that that video of him sprinting down the pitch doing the keep-ups. Key the technical quality he has is absolutely supreme and you don't feel nervous at any stage when it's with him. Yeah, there's been a few times in recent weeks where he's made silly errors and he's had to hold his hands up where opposition have, have managed to get shots off, but the control he brings to our team is, is fantastic. Mm. It's like, A, this is why I think Kieran will be sold in the summer. And B, this is why I think we're after Ivan Fresneda, who is basically the right-sided version of Sinjenko. He is, if for anyone that's yet to watch anything of him, he's like a midfielder playing at right back, 
is is the description I've got from a couple of people who've watched him plenty. So that makes complete sense why we're going after someone perhaps like him. So that, you know, say Zinchenko's not available or you want to change things up. Tommy Asu has shown that he can play on the left and he can basically be the Ben White on the left-hand side. If you want to do that, you need Zinchenko on the right. And if Fresneda turns out to be that player, it makes complete sense why we're after him. Um, Bradley, thank you for the super chat, my friend. The scenes in my apartment were incredible. So I'm surprised we didn't get a noise complaint. Sent a video in the Discord. We were over-celebrating as well. I'm sure the members will check that one out in the Discord server. Uh, Albert, I want to talk a bit about, I just mentioned his name there, Tommy Asu. Um, and the, uh, there's done a three parts of this. One is Ben White. Two is Arteta. Three is Tommy Asu. Because... Of all the players in the team, Benoit, I think we can all agree, is the one that probably struggled the most today. Um, Rashford was brilliant again, and I've been mm. so impressed by him this season. You know, he really is one of the big, big reasons why Man United where are where they are this season. Um, and he, Benoit has gone up against wingers this season like Wilfred Zaha and coped very, very well. I don't know what it was today, but he just didn't have that same kind of composure um, a couple of misplaced passes, I think, also undermined his display. And Arteta, seeing him on a yellow card, brought him off immediately. Didn't, you know, allow any kind of second half um, moments to make his decision. He decided at halftime in that moment, I'm going to make the change, which is something that we've been critical of Arteta on before, is not being oh. proactive enough with his decision-making in-game. And he was. And then Tomiyasu came on, had one or two moments, I would say as well. But I think overall... <laughs> was very strong and composed for most of the game. So talk us through those three parts that we saw in the 90 minutes. Yeah, listen, um, I love Benjamin White, but you know, sometimes, Tom, you can have an off day. Um, you can come up against a winger or, or a player in the league that is on fire as Rashford is. Um, and it, it just, Tom, you think about it, it made logical sense, really, because he didn't go through very well in the first half. Um, and he obviously got the booking within 20 minutes. So I was like, oh, mm. God, this is not good. Um, and yeah, like I said, he's been Ben White's been Mr. Consistency, but just today it wasn't his day. It's it, it's as simple as that. Um, you have to give credit credit to Rashford. So I was it was good to see Arteta make a very, very de decisive decision, but a common sense one as well, Tom, because listen, you don't want to go down to 10 men at home in mm. in a in a game as pivotal as that as it as it is. Um you're right with Tommy Yasu when he did come on. There were a few moments like, oh, oh my god, <laughs> he's, he's a bit he looks a bit rustier, but um yeah. Defensively, we we can defensively as with Wan Bissaka of United. Defensively, is very very good, very good. That's why I think Martinelli didn't get attuned so much today. But that wasn't a major surprise. But um, listen, the more the more time Tommy gets, um, which he probably hasn't going to get because Ben White's been playing so well. But hmm. there's, there's going to be times when we're going to call upon him because defensively he's very very good and aerially as well. Defensively he's brilliant um, and. So what's the second part of the question? Yeah, just it was Tommy Asu in kind of looking at what he did to support Saka. Uh, I thought yeah. he was more composed. I thought he did play out from the back well. There's a couple of cutback crosses that he dinked into yeah. the box. He, this man can't do a driven cross to save his life. You'll never see Tommy Asu like smash a ball across the box. He can only do a little deft dink over the back of the defence. That's, that, that's only what he can do. But again, it's it's that balance that I think he gives us. And again, if you think about who's in the stands, Albert, in terms of uh, Kivio that was in the stands, we've now got oh. two options at right back in terms of White and Tommy Asu. We've got two at right centre back in terms of White and Saliba. You've got Gabriel and Kivio in. You've got Zinchenko, Tierney. And again, Tommy Asu comes into that position as well. We're building a team with competitive options in, in every position. Yeah, and, and you know, particularly defensively, um, I, I actually wanted a left centre back, believe it or not. And um, mm. so I, I am su I'm surprised we've got one, but I'm very, very happy we've got one because they're Tom, as you know, you know, they're a dime a dozen in European football to find a left-sided centre back. And yeah. he's 22 as well, which helps. But um, yeah, listen, Tom, defensively, um Tommy is important. Listen, I think with him, he's got a good relationship, particularly with Bukayo Saka that at right hand side, just as Ben White has got, but obviously where Tommy Yasu hasn't been in the team that often. Um, not for a bad reason, but because Ben White's been so fantastic. Whether that was the plan in the first place, Arteta must be a genius or he's just hmm. very, very lucky or a mixture of both, Tom. I'm not too sure. But defensively, he's looking really, really good, Tom, man. Um, I, I'd have to go back many, many years for us to, us, us as Arsenal fans, um, to look at our team defensively and be confident and not 
um, be irate and 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 maybe frying things at the television screen or tapping the mate next to you at the Emirates, thinking what's going on with us defensively. But we we've got a bedrock of a of a going to keep it clean, Tom. A, a flaming good defense, man. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was fi- I'm trying to find the right word, but um, listen, you, you you build from the back, Tom. We've got an amazing defensive unit. Big mm. up Ramsdale for the save in the first half, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that was key. Yeah, yeah, they mm. got yeah they got the goal to go to all, but that was literally two minutes after he went two one up. But mm. listen, we've got. Sorry, Tom, go on, mate. No, no, I was going to say like uh, not only his save from who was it? Was it your Ashford shot Rashford, that then deflected Rashford. off Saliba? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just in any any deflected strike is incredibly difficult to predict, and he managed to get a firm full uh, hand onto that. I thought his distribution was good. There was I was really annoyed with Partey because he Quite was set through. Yeah, he was set through by Ramsdale a couple of times and didn't make the right decision uh, in terms mm. of passing. Just again, a similar to White. Partey did some really good things, um, yeah. but again, well, just didn't seem like the Partey that we've had in the last few weeks where he's been unplayable. Uh, and then the other thing is that keep watching out for these kind of long balls from Ramsdale up the pitch to Nketiah in particular, because it's it's finding these kind of ways in which, yeah, maybe we're a bit under pressure and Man United a team that can really push you. Hmm. But Ramsdale's little kick over the top of the whole of the, the forward and the midfield to Nketiah to then flick a head around the corner to Saka or to Erdegaard or to Martinelli. You know, it's really something that's working against the opponents and, and that was great. But yeah, I think well summed up, Albert, in terms of all those areas, especially the defence. Um, Raf, I want to talk about the wingers with you because I think Saka and Martinelli have kind of been... They've been on two sides of a coin, I think, in the last few games. Saka's obviously been in great, great form and, and been a problem for every single team we've gone up against. And Martinelli's come under the microscope a bit, I think, from Arsenal fans for maybe not being as influential in the direct sense that we know Saka can be. He didn't get a goal today. Um, and, of course, we've now got Leandro Trossard in the picture as well, who I thought was really good when he came on. Where do you see the dynamic of the wingers at the moment, Raf? Um, so I think today, and, I, and I'll start with uh, Martinelli because it's probably the most complex. I think he, I think he did really well. I think one of the main issues or one of the main concerns that I had with Martinelli, and I wouldn't even say it's concern because I think it's more mm. around him just developing as a player. And areas I think he could develop in is finding different ways to be effective. We all know that he's very good. Uh, he's a very good dribbler. He's very good one on one. And he is an attacker. So he will attack a defender when he gets the ball. He's always looking to attack. He's always looking to beat the man and be decisive. But what I've found in his career so far is that when that isn't working, sometimes he kind of, he almost almost wants to double down in trying to beat a man. And then he just keeps not beating a man, if that makes sense. And if that's not working, he may not have the best of games. I felt like today in... Uh, in a defender in Wambasaka, who's probably one of, if not the best one-on-one defender uh, yeah. in terms of one as a fullback in the league. Um, I think he found different pockets and different ways to still be effective without having to run directly at him all the time. If you saw a lot of the time, he was getting the ball and he'd immediately jink infield and kind of open the, the pitch up a, bit, a little bit. And uh, Wambasaka didn't know whether or not to engage. And I felt like that gave him the space to be able to be effective again in a time when it looked like Wambasaka was just ready for the one-on-one duel. And I think that that's going to be an evolution in his development as a winger and just development as a player in terms of finding different ways to be effective in games if his main attributes, let's say, is not working. And I think I think Arteta um, touched on that before, like he needs to know different gears. And I think that that's part of him just understanding, okay, I can still be effective while not, you know, using my main attribute. I think Saka, on the other hand, Saka actually has had that from almost the moment that he's come into the team. I think he understands ways of being effective in a game or still being able to contribute, even Mm. if he isn't being able to beat his man. And I think that that's where we're seeing Saka move from strength to strength. I think his main thing was, how can I be in decisive situations consistently in games so that I can start to contribute in terms of goals and assists. And I think now what we're seeing in Saka is someone that is moving and morphing into that world-class, 
that area of play, when you're like you're moving into that world-class player as opposed to being just a very talented young player. Because I think when you look at Saka, you look at this game as as an example. Shaw was petrified; like he literally dropped hmm. off to, to his six-yard box because he just didn't want to engage with Saka to the point where Saka could just pick his pass inside the box, which is almost unheard of as a winger. And I think that's because he has the reputation of being a top, top player. Obviously, they've worked together in England, like everybody watches the Brem. Now we're having more and more micro... Uh, there's more and more kind of eyes on Arsenal. You mm. see how Saka is on a day-to-day. And I think that, or a week-to-week, I should say. And then when you look at every level that Saka's played in, he's been able to excel. You look at the Premier League, you look at in Europe, obviously in Europa, you look at the Euros and the World Cup. Uh, World Cup. At every stage, Saka's been able to display that he can not only play at that level, but excel at that level. So I think he's moving into that world-class conversation. And I just think moments and key situations like this, when, you know, it's one all, how are we going to, you know, how are you going to impact the game comes up with, you know, a top, top draw finish, a top, top draw strike mm-hmm. from outside the box, you know, almost as a response to Rashford's. But also the difference is he actually played well the whole game. I felt like Rashford was really good in moments and I felt like there was moments that were effective, which is also a, a potentially a, a top draw quality. But I felt like what Saka had the moments, but also had his general play and he was yeah. able to just be effective throughout. So I think in terms of the wingers, I was, go on, go ahead. No, 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 go on, go on. I was going to say in terms of the wingers in general, I think they played really well. I think Trossard, just to um, add to the point that you made, it was a very, very good cameo, man. I mean, mm. anyone that kind of had that whole old Mudrick look like a player, I think when <laughs> they saw Trossard, although Mudrick does look like a player, I think that we're in good hands with Trossard. I think that he's going to be a very, very good component to the team. And I think, he showed in just the, that little cameo the composure that he has, the um, I guess the experience um, that he's going to bring, and and you know the turn of pace and that that I was um, no, I wouldn't say worried about, but I didn't look at him and think immediately he's the electric. But I mean, he was he, he looked pretty quick, and also he's close control in certain moments, and obviously the pre-assist you can save for the, the Zinjenko cut across. He just looked very composed, and he just looked like he fits right in. I mean, he's had one training session, so I think yeah. it's very impressive. It is impressive. Um, and I think that the biggest concern I have about Trossard, and we covered this on the Tactical Breakdown, which if you haven't watched listeners, go go back and do it, because Adam from um, Together BHA really did represent, I think, from a level-headed point of view, which I was always concerned about doing a show about a player that didn't leave the club in the best stance. And you always feel that that might affect a fan kind of... Um, breaking down and being analytical. But Adam was really good at kind of talking through that. And one of the things that he talked about was that Trossard lives for the big moments. And that's why he's got such a good record against teams like City and Liverpool and us uh, and Chelsea. And the thing about Arsenal is that every game is a big moment. He's on the biggest stage every single game playing for Arsenal. And that will feed into the ego that he clearly has. And, you know, I'm not saying ego is always a bad thing. It's not. And footballers need ego and they need arrogance to be what they are. Thierry Henry, one of the most arrogant men on earth. Like, you know, it's just, and it makes you a very successful player. So I think for Trossard, that's going to be key. I thought we saw both sides of Trossard in this game, though. I thought that when he first came on, it took a little bit for him to get in the game. I think he realised he had to come a little bit deeper and try and get onto the ball a bit more. And that's when you saw him pick up the ball just before the centre circle, drive forward with it and get into it. Before that, there was a couple of minutes where he was just invisible because he wasn't doing anything at the time. But I think he will gradually learn that and will get more involved and will be demanded more from that of the coaching staff. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he brings to the team. Um, We're going to move to part two uh, and questions from the chat box. Uh, I imagine we'll try and get through as many of these as we can. So if we can try to be... Uh, slightly more conservative with our answers. That'd be great. couple from the uh, chat box. Josh Sands says, actually, I want to ask you this one, um, Guy, because I asked you about Eddie and Ketty earlier. Uh, Aiden says, how should we approach the FA Cup game against Man City? Should we go with our first team or should we rotate? Uh, I'd be inclined to say rotate, to be honest. Um, I think us going full strength only serves to give them, I mean, Okay, Pep. Pep's going to know Mikel Arteta and every, every part of the the rule book, the playbook. He's going to know pages one to to, to the mm. end. I mean, 
whether them seeing our first team gives stuff away, I don't know. Does it then give Pep more, perhaps, uh, license to experiment and come up with a wacky formation, which we can then school? I don't know. But for me, no, the, the priority is, is now the league. Um, and behind that, for me, the the Europa League, I'd, I would really like to see us try and win that because I think we're probably the best team left in it. And I mean, if we're going to get Champions League qualification through the league anyway, um, if if things were to tail off in the league, the title campaign, um, trying to to win European silverware would be brilliant. So yeah, I would I would say switch it up. Let's get more minutes into the legs of of Smith Rowe. Um, Eddie obviously is is going to continue to to lead the line. Trossard, why not give him a first start there so he can begin to to feed into the to the team a bit more? And yeah, I, I wouldn't say sort of eleven changes, but a healthy sort of four or five. I'd be happy to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I actually, uh, it's, it fits quite well. I asked Arteta after the game against Oxford if there was a frustration that that game came so close to the league game and he said uh, I just found the quote from what he said he said it is what it is that happens you have to play different competitions between teams and we'll try to prepare that game to win it obviously and that game will be very different to the league game and we know each other really well every team does and I don't think that will change much but I think that his point about saying it will be different to the league game is because different players are going to play they are going to rotate I think Trossard probably starts this one Um, who knows Kivior could come even straight into this one he's been playing it's different when you sign players in January to the summer, you know, because they're they're fit, they're ready. So it could be a chance to give him a start. It could be a chance to give Trossard a start. Um, I think we could see, uh, obviously, Kieran Tierney and Tommy Asu coming in to start this game. Rob Holding probably goes into the defence as well. We might not change too much about the midfield. You know, we might see uh, Xhaka, of course, remain in that spot. With Elneny injured, Thomas Partey could probably still play that game. He's been fit. There hasn't been any issues with Thomas Partey. Smith Rowe, I imagine, will probably get minutes in this game as well. You might see Trossard playing maybe where Saka has played or where yeah, Odegaard has played. Yeah, yeah and then I'd... Smith Rowe going. Go on. You just just very quick one. It's yeah, of off, off piece, but you mentioned Mikel Arteta speaking uh, with the media, and we've already spoke about Ben White as well. I think Mikel might have been taking a hint or two off of Ben White and his interview technique, by the way, because speaking <laughs> to Sky Sports afterwards, he was asked about getting booked and being in the technical area, and he just said one of those in it. And it was yeah, just he how he dropped in the it. in it. It was how he dropped the in it and then just deadpan gestures. I thought it was brilliant. I just, I, I, those, I thought as you, as you brought up Mikel, I had to mention it because it was yeah. absolutely brilliant. It was. I, I, I heard it and then I, I, was, I didn't really register that he's I, gone. I, I, I was saying, he, he went in it and I, I turned and I looked at my wife and I said, he, he did just say that, didn't he? And she went, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Deary me. Uh, John, uh, so Josh says regarding the striker position, uh, what happens when Jesus comes back? Eddie seems to be playing so well to move him onto the bench. Seems wrong. What are your thoughts? I mean, that's a great question. I, I, but I think when Jesus is ready to play, Jesus comes into the team. He just, you know, we, really? we, we Eddie's been, uh, yeah, Eddie's been playing so great. So Jesus but is he, fit tomorrow. You like, so, and, okay, let's say he's the, fit for the next league game. You'd start him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would be even if he if he was ready and cleared. I think he's still going to need some time to kind of ease in. I don't think we're just going to throw him in. And guess yeah. what? Eddie's playing so well right now. We don't have to. But ultimately, I think when you're asking me who's our start, our strongest starting eleven, that that starting eleven has Jesus in the team. And and guess what? That's not to take away from Eddie. So and I know like the internet does this thing where if I'm like, hey, I like waffles, and they'll be like, oh, well, you hate pancakes. No, nobody said anything about pancakes. <laughs> just because I think that our best eleven has. As Jesus in the team does not mean I don't rate Eddie Nketiah. Um, and the the reality is that Eddie, I think, is exceeding most people's expectations about what to expect. And I think even a little bit of the manager. You know, uh, Mikel was asked today about that. And he said, you know, did I expect it was going to be like this? No, but we know that he's like this, you know, passionate player and that he he, he puts everything he has on the line, etc. And, you know, you just got to hope that your backup steps up when the time comes. And that's what Eddie's done. And I don't want to take anything away from him. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, the, the fact that we're even having this conversation, I think there's a legitimate, okay, let's have a conversation when Jesus is, is back. But I think the way that it's going to practically play out is that when he's fully fit and ready to go, that he's just going to, he's going to come inside. But, you know, I, if he didn't and Eddie keeps scoring goals and playing the way he is, it's going to be a conversation. It's going to be a conversation, which is the best position for us, right? This is only a positive thing for us to have to have this issue. When when he got injured, it was this really big concern. So, great question. 
Mm, indeed. Uh, let's, uh, I mean, Albert, I've kind of got four questions that I'm going to throw, but they're all on the same line to give people credit. <laughs> G-Dime says, do you think we'll get a midfielder this January? Jay says, I believe we have backup for Xhaka, but do you believe we'll still need someone for Partey? Cam says, uh, who do you guys think we should buy to cover Partey in case he's unavailable? And yeah, it's, as I say, it's, it's questions along the same kind of lines about the midfield and, and whether or not we need a signing. So A, do you think we do need someone? And B, do you think we will get someone? Well, Tom, I'll, I'll try and keep this as short as I can, really. It's that four-part question. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Oh, it's funny, Tom, because the midfield, the, the central midfield era, we do need somebody. But you, you'll know better than I, I would. The, the Tielemans rumours won't go away. Um, They're kind of dead for January, though, I think. Yeah. No, I don't think that's going to happen. No chance. Yeah. No chance. Um, I hope they do get someone in. Because uh, we, we do need, we do need. we Even with, regardless of party, we need someone essentially anyway. I think, personally, because hmm. I don't think there's enough confidence you know, from Arteta in regards to putting faith into Lokonga. Um, I'm not too impressed with what I've seen, if I'm being honest, in the time mm. since he's been here. Um, uh, Tom, I can't come up with a name, to be honest. I know who I would like in the summer. Mm. That's, that's another question. If it, Is if, it DR? <laughs> uh, yeah, possibly, Tom. If it happens... Um, yeah. I wouldn't grumble personally. I don't know. I'm sure we'll touch upon that another time on your, on your channel or show, whatever. But listen, I'd love him. But I, I do hope, Tom, we've seen in recent days that transfers can get done quickly. Um, I, I don't know what, in terms of Edu and Arteta, what they've got cooking up in terms of if somebody's going to come in centrally. But we need it to happen because I didn't think we'd get a striker to come in personally in the window. I thought, you know, obviously if we'd have got Mudrick and whatever, we, you can move Martinelli Central, but that doesn't happen. We've got Trossard coming, which I'm very happy with, but midfield wise century, Tom, I haven't got a clue. I, I hope they have got somebody coming in, mm. um, but it's still time, Tom. What have we got? 22nd of January, isn't it? So, oh, just over another week. Yeah, nine days left to the window. Um, mm. Go on, guy. Uh, yeah, personally, I, I think his best position is on that left wing. But clearly, I think Trossard will, will go there. But do you not think yeah. maybe the answer is going to end up being Emil Smith-Rowe playing in that kind of I left so. half-space role? I, I personally would rather wait till the summer and go chips in on, on Declan Rice. Um, mm. I, know, I know he's a deeper player, but equally this season, he's played more of that box-to-box -box role for West Ham yeah. as well. And I think the, the investment he would be, he ticks the homegrown box. I think he is the guy... Um, to go for, um, personally speaking. And, and uh, like I say, I think Smith-Rowe's best football has come off the left-hand side. I just get the yeah. feeling, though, with, with Trossard today, he's going to play there. And Mikel Arteta has spoke so much, even even sometimes reading between the lines, that I think he sees Smith-Rowe and the technical ability he has as playing as a central player because I don't think he's quite got that electric turn of pace. Um, he's quick with the ball, but off the ball, yeah. I don't think Arteta sees him maybe as a long-term winger, albeit, mm. as I say, I, I really like seeing him play there. Yeah, I, I think uh, it was Rohan uh, who does all the blogs on social media that you, you've probably seen. Um, he, you know, theorised that Smith Rowe could play in that that attacking role. And actually, when you look at the heat maps from Smith Rowe playing, uh, I think it's last season, you look at Xhaka's heat map this season, they're so similar. The, the spaces they occupy in this role Xhaka's playing is so similar to what Smith Rowe was doing when playing off the left. So I absolutely think there is. I, I think it does then demand more of the number six. And if, you know, that's Partey now, maybe that's Rice in the future, you know, that is going to put more strain on that player and they are going to have to do a bigger job. But it might be that you sacrifice a little bit to be that more offensively dangerous by having a Smith throw over a Xhaka in that position. So, yeah, it's definitely possible. And I always do remember to point to people out. We've got uh, Charlie Patino coming through as well, who's doing fantastically and, and can play deep in the midfield very, very comfortably as well. Uh, we had a couple of members also join up. Ace Lucas and Josh, thank you so much for supporting the channel, guys. Much appreciated. Uh, Yomi says, uh, Tom, with 50 points, is it safe to say that we've avoided relegation this season? I think so, Yomi. I'm pretty confident in saying that we have. Um, and Zaffa's asking, why haven't the game against Everton be rescheduled yet? The last two weeks would have been perfect because of the FA Cup and our inclusion in that and the Europa League. That's why that hasn't been yet rescheduled. They'll probably be waiting for the game to uh, for us to be knocked out of one of those competitions. But yeah, we could have played it this week, to be fair. Like Man United played Palace. So I don't really know why they didn't. 
do that game. Um, bit of a strange one. Uh, let's go to uh, Raf with this one. John says, how much concern do you have over our last six matches of the season? And do you think we will have the league pretty much in the bag by then? Now, if our last six games of the season, just to give you uh, clarity in what they are, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Man City away, Chelsea at home, Newcastle away, Brighton at home, Forest away, and Wolves at home are our last six. Do we need the? Oh. Do we need it wrapped up by then, Raph? <laughs> it seems <Yeah>. very tricky. <laughs> Firstly, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, can you not I see mean, us again? Is that what's happened? Nah, I don't know why it's happened again. But yeah, um, I think <laughs> you're just frozen again. But um, I think I think we just got to play the games. I think every the, the Premier League's tough anyway. I think it's gonna be um, it's gonna be difficult no matter what. We're gonna have to get these games played at some point. Maybe the pressure if we're like you know going down to the last couple of games is gonna be intense because you know when when if they can see the the the, the finish line, obviously the legs get a bit heavier. You know the lights get a bit brighter, but. Ultimately, we've just got to play the games we can play. And this team has shown that, you know, every hurdle so far that they've been able to to jump over it, overcome it. So I think we've just got to play the games, be happy that we're even, and I don't want this to come out the wrong way, like happy that we're, we're in it. But we, we need to be, we need to embrace the challenge of being in this position and just go for it and then just see where we are. I think other than that, there's no point kind of looking at games and thinking, oh, you know, this is the point where we fall down. I think we've just got to embrace the challenge and then see where we end up at the end. But um, yeah. I think it's, they're not giving me any reason to think that they're not going to embrace that regardless. And then, yeah, it just is what it is after that. I think what's exciting is is the next nine games for Arsenal, really. Yeah. Um, because we've, I mean, if you just said at the start of January, you've got three games, you go, you play Newcastle, you go away to Spurs, you play at home to Man United. And if I'd have said, I'll give you seven points out of nine from those, I think most of us would probably would have taken it. You know, I think yeah, that's a great that's return from those games. Especially if you think back to last January, I don't think we won a game in January last season. Um, yep. we, yeah, we got knocked out of the League Cup by Liverpool. I think we... Did we drop points against Burnley or something silly uh, in January? I, I know that we yeah drew nil nil at home to Burnley, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we did, didn't we? And then uh, I think we we were beaten Forest. by somebody Forest uh, in the FA Cup. Yeah. Yes, um, yeah, got it here. We we lost away. We lost at home to City on the first, didn't we? Then we yes, lost well, we should have won Forest. that game. Yeah. yeah, lost at Forest, drew with Liverpool, then lost to Liverpool. And Drew with Burnley, yeah. Yeah, so it was a bad month. Um, we didn't sign anyone either uh, to compound things. And this is kind of the flip of that. You know, you've beaten United. You've kept a clean sheet against Newcastle at home in a draw uh, that, you know, you probably look back on as, as a good point. Newcastle are going to take points off plenty of teams this season. Um, and you've beaten Spurs away for the first time since 2014. So it's been a good month. And you've added Trossard. Kivior and, and who knows, maybe another player between now and the end of the window. Um, I think we've got time for one more round of questions if we're quick with our answers. Um, Charles says, uh, should Guy Martinelli be switched with Trossard in the first 11 for Premier League games? Will it help Martinelli to sharpen up a bit? Uh, I think, uh, following what Raf said earlier, I think Martinelli really, for me, is, is at his best when he's probably freshest and most dynamic. T today, the thing that sort of gave me an inkling maybe things weren't going to go his way was that first sort of opportunity got to run at Wan-Bissaka, where he sort of did his sort of trick where he runs with the ball, slows it right down, runs again, and he never got away from him. I remember when we mm. played Liverpool, he, he breezed past Trent early on and you thought, there we go, he's got him on toast for the game. And that was that was how it was. I don't know so much if it's uh, whether he whether he plays through it and he, he learns those intricacies to his game that uh, Saka has or whether it is a case of uh, bring him out and, and put Trossard straight in. As I say, I, I think Trossard give him a go in the the FA Cup game against Man City. But equally mm. with Martinelli, like the guy's been absolutely phenomenal all season. Um, just because he goes through a bit of a dip in form, I don't think you drop him. Saliba before today, I think had, had a couple of shaky games. We're not going. Oh, let's drop him and and put sort of Rob Holding in or put Ben White back at centre back. I think you you let him play through it until you're really kind of alarmed by it. But yeah, I yeah. I'd stick with him. Yep, lovely stuff. I agree. I think you have to earn your place in the team and 10-minute cameo against United, no matter how good it was, doesn't obviously earn you that. Um, Zada says, John, what did you make of David De Gea's play acting? Um, did you notice that towards the end of the game? 
it's so it's so funny you asked me this question because I was going to mention at some point that we, as good as it was, we should actually you know take some time and and really wish that uh, De Gea gets better from that horrible injury that he suffered. But I mean, is there nothing? Is it not one of the best feelings on earth when the the opposing team is wasting time and then you get the winner and then they're scrambled? That is the one of the best, especially when it's that. It's so good. I love it. I hate it when it happens to us, but when it happens to the opposing team, it's one of the most satisfying things about watching the sport and man that was it was great watching them all scramble and watching him try to flop around it was just like come on like new <laughs> like and, and like newcastle like as far you know as good as newcastle is this season that's all they got really they got like they got they have like this like shit housery and then you know mm-hmm. defense for 90 minutes and i feel like in the second half that's what united try to do and your your de- defense isn't as good so it's not going to work out and when he fell on the floor like hey it was just Especially after those Wenger comments, like, I, you know, that just, um, it like put a chip on my shoulder. So when I saw him like flopping around like that, and then anyway, it was great. It was awesome. Timothy says, who is at the top of the table? Mm. <laughs> I wonder who it is. I wonder who it is. Um, uh, Jason says, Albert, is this the best morale you have seen around the club? He says in ages, I'm going to say ever. Jason, it's a fantastic question, firstly. Um, yes, Tom. Short answer to that. It's um, like I said, going to the games this season. Um, atmosphere is amazing. The football's a joy to watch. Um, a lot of the players are bought into Arteta's thinking and what he wants. Um, I can't remember a better time personally in recent years. I can't. Um, listen, it's, yeah, it's it's the short answer is that yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, I can't either. I think that the togetherness, the unitedness of this group, and bad choice of words, consider who we played against today. But uh, you know, it is a united team. Um, they are very together, and there is a real will and desire to just win. And I think they trust each other as well, which is key. I think previously mm-hmm. we had, I think we had individuals that didn't trust their teammates or thought they were above their teammates. Um, Everyone is very much on the same plane. It's a very humble team. Uh, I think players like Saka in particular really do encapsulate that humbleness of the side. So, yeah. Oh, by the way, I loved Saka doing Rashford celebration. That was just, yeah, just oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, love that. Absolutely that was brilliant. fantastic. Um, just to tackle this one myself quickly, the kid says, all players on four yellows already missed a booking today. Does that reset after the first half of the season? It doesn't reset. What what it happens is basically that they they still keep their four yellow cards, but it's extended now to game week 32, at which point if they've received, if you get 10 yellows by any time between now and, and game week 32, you get a two Premier League game ban. So it's not just the one, it's the two. But uh, if they get their fifth, it's fine. They won't miss any games. It's only up until the 10th game by game week 32. Um, and lastly, to Raf, and then I've got a couple of one-word questions to go through. Uh, could Martinelli's drop-in levels be due to not having Jesus with him? They were linking up well earlier in the season, and we all said Saka struggled. Now with Eddie in the team, Saka is thriving instead. It's quite a good question, actually. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite interesting. Can you hear me, first of all? I can, right. yep. You're yep. Loud and clear. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can't see us, so, but we know you're there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it's, an, it's an interesting one. I think I think partly, I think there's a there's a couple of things. I think players, for some reason, the players that uh, went to the World Cup but maybe didn't necessarily play every single game have seemed to kind of take a little bit of time to just get back up to the level that they were playing at before. So I think that has a part to play in it. I think that Jesus, uh, who used to pick up positions on, on the left a lot and they would interlink and change positions and allow Martinelli to go in field a bit, um, that has also played a part. And I think he's just played every single game. I think the front three having to play like every single game without having to come off, no rest, it's just difficult. And I think that, again, like I said, I don't think Martinelli was actually bad today. I think he I think he did all right and found different ways to be effective without being like spectacular. And obviously he didn't get the goal. But I think that could play a part. But I think ultimately Trossard although it will take minutes away from him, it may actually benefit him by being able to be a bit recharged and be a little bit more kind of fresher when he is coming into games. So I think Jesus, to to answer the question, he has made an impact, but I don't think it's the only thing. And I do think that once he's a bit more refreshed and he has a bit of time to recharge, he'll get back to the the, the blistering form he was in um, prior to the World Cup. 
Yeah, well summed up. I agree. I think Jesus is massive for Martinelli, um, and he has missed him for sure. Um, so a couple of one-word answers only. So no elaboration, guys, on these. Just one words. Um, Daniel Roberts says, who is your player of the season so far? Now that we are at the halfway mark, I'm going to go in reverse order. And Raf, we're going to start with you. I'd say Odegaard. Albert? Yeah, Captain Odegaard, definitely. John? He's showing us a picture of Zinchenko there on the screen for those listening on audio platforms. <laughs> so there you go. Zin, Zinny, man. He's been, he's been, yeah. That Guy. would a zero-word answer. <laughs> Guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd go Odegaard, but also got to mention Saka because I think this yeah, year cool. he has taken his game to another level and, and he is getting mm. to that world-class debate. Uh, I'm going with Granite Xhaka for me. I think he has been unbelievably good. Um, yeah, hasn't really put a foot wrong in any game this season. So uh, going with him. Uh, uh, Harvey says, how many more signings do you think we will bring in? So I just need a numerical answer from zero to 99. Guy? Uh, think zero, hope for one. John? One. And how many would you like us to bring in? Three. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'm curious now where they might be. Uh, Albert, how many do you think and how many do you want? Um, I think we one more. Ideally, I'd like two, but one, one, I think one's one's achievable. And Raf. J- just a quick one. Are we counting uh Kyrgios as yes, we're Kyrgios counting that being as... done. We'll say that's All right, done. Cool. Yeah. Then I would say again one, and I hope I would hope for two but I think it would just be Fresneda yeah I I'm hopeful for two it being Fresneda and and, and someone else um but I think it might just be one um Mm. which to be fair if you just at the start of January we're going to sign three players I'd have been like great (laughs) wonderful so yeah Yeah. uh, I think it's just one that we want we just haven't yet I think that's the only issue because I think everyone wants a midfielder it just doesn't seem to be there for us in January, the one that they yeah. want. And it's a very mm-hmm. difficult position to commit to, especially when considering Declan Rice might be there for the taking in the summer. summer. It, so... it, proves, it, pro- it proves, doesn't it, with, with Gabriel Jesus, we're, we're better waiting, Tom. I remember last January, us yeah. debating to oh, a blue yeah. in the face about Veghorst and whether that was a goer today. We saw we saw I was why, scrambling. Why, like, why are we not signing <laughs> Arthur Cabral? Why have we not signed yeah, yeah, Arthur yeah. Cabral? You, you, wanted, you wanted a striker. You wanted yeah. a striker. And in yeah. the end, it was it was proved right to wait. So hopefully yeah, it's good. Yeah. Just one of the plethora of things I've been embarrassingly wrong about on the channel. So there you go. Arthur Cabral has done jack you know what since moving to Fiorentina. So there you go. Happy days. Uh, we're going to wrap things up there. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to today's show. There's been over a thousand of you watching throughout, which is fantastic. Do indeed drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. I was really hoping, because we're very close to hitting 44,000. I was kind of thinking... Maybe we can get 45 by the end of the transfer window. That'd be pretty cool. And I just found out today that I know the channel's famous for our 8 a.m. shows, but I'm working from 6 a.m. till 4 p.m. on deadline day. So there won't actually be an 8 a.m. show on deadline day, which sucks. But I will be doing one, of course, at 4 p.m. as soon as I finish my shift. And to be honest, most of the time, whenever I do these 8 a.m. shows, they decide to release some news about half eight anyway. So it's pointless. Um, But thank you, everyone that's tuned in. Guy, thank you for your time, my friend. Tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, going to be doing what I do. I, you can find me over on uh, Twitter. My handle's uh, Guy Clark. That's Clark with an E. Zero five. And uh, yeah, watching watching the Arsenal hopefully continue their crusade to a league title. I know now that some people are going to type your name into Twitter and type it as Guy and then C L E R K. Yeah. Not. Yeah, the, the E's at the end of Clark, yeah. <laughs> Could just see what some people were going to do. Uh, John, always a pleasure. Thank you for jumping on late as well. Really appreciate it, especially considering you've been having a very fun time at the Chicago Arsenal Supporters Club. But tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Uh, you can find me uh, at 305cast, and I'll probably be on here some more. So just look out for me here. So. Yeah, and if we win the league, we'll get a uh, Chicago Arsenal podcast for the first time in six years. <laughs> Which for, real. for real. Uh, Albert, always a pleasure, my friend. I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Uh, tell people they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Tom, absolute pleasure, mate, on a Sunday night. Uh, yes, got my own channel, Albert JTV. Another episode of Life Stories is coming soon, people, as Tom's been a part of that and a few other people. So, um, yeah, 
Looking forward to it. And I'll be doing a show on Tuesday on another channel, Tom. On the Arsenal Lounge, yes, of course. That as well, yeah, that as well. Oh, that wasn't even the one you were talking about. That's... No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you can plug, plug them anyway. I love the, I love the lounge guys, love them. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be on there with them tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock, as always on a Monday. I'm back after missing last week. Uh, and lastly, Raf, thank you so much. I know you can't see us. You know, we're all putting the middle finger up, but you just can't see it, mate. Uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Tell people where they can find you, fella. Um, Twitter, Instagram, at Messy Music, music with a K. But yeah, yeah, uh, really, really good coming on, as always. Yeah, lovely stuff. Uh, you can find Guy on Twitter at GuyClark05, at 305Cast for John, at A-U-M-O-H-5-7. I always don't know if it's Omo or Omo or... <laughs> Albert, you're going to have to help me out. Is it Omo? Tell me. Help me. <laughs> don't tell him. Don't tell him. You know, you, know, you know what's funny, right? My, my surname's only four letters, and the, the amount of people that get it wrong is crazy. <laughs> you know what it is? There's, there's the English way of saying it, and there's the Nigerian way of saying it. Go on. I'm not... So the English way is Yumo, and okay. the Nigerian way is Umo. Okay, Umo. I'm going to go with that Umo, one. Tom. You nailed it first time. I Tom. love my pronunciations, mate. I get people to correct me all the time. <laughs> and lastly, you can follow Ralph on Twitter, at Messy Music. That's with a K at the end. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Uh, absolute pleasure. I'll be bringing you back with the news tomorrow morning at 8am, reacting to Arteta's words on transfers and any rumours that drop, of course, over the previous 24 hours. Have a fantastic evening. Enjoy it. You've earned it, as have we. We will see you again very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.